I want to welcome you to day four of our look through chapter 12 of the book of Matthew. And I want to begin today by reading verses 33 through 37 of this chapter 12. Jesus said, Make a tree good, and its fruit will be good. Or make a tree bad, and its fruit will be bad. For a tree is recognized by its fruit. You brood of vipers, how can you, who are evil, say anything good? For out of the overflow of the heart, the mouth speaks. The good man brings good things out of the good stored up in him, and the evil man brings evil things out of the evil stored up in him. But I tell you that men will have to give an account on the day of judgment for every careless word they have spoken. For by your words you will be acquitted, and by your words you will be condemned. Now, Jesus talks about words here when it comes to what's going to be, in the end, what really counts in our lives. We are told, actually, in Scripture that we're going to be judged on three specifics, our actions, our thoughts, and our words. Our actions, in Matthew 16, 27, Jesus said he will reward, God will reward each person according to what they've done. Our thoughts, Jeremiah 17, 10 says the Lord searches the heart and he examines the mind, our thoughts, to reward each person according to their conduct. And then our words, here in Matthew 12, 36, everyone will give an account on the day of judgment for every empty word that they have spoken. Now, when you think about this judgment, remember, as a believer, the judgment of whether you're going to be in heaven in eternity with Jesus is already settled by the forgiveness of his sins. That's what he died on the cross for. So for unbelievers, those who have not yet believed, this judgment that we're talking about here of our actions, our thoughts, our words, it will just confirm why they are lost, what sin really is in our lives. For believers, this judgment will confirm two things. One, why we needed to be saved, why only Jesus could have saved us. But in the New Testament, there's a second thing. Once you get saved, once you start to do things in the power of the Holy Spirit, your actions, your thoughts, your words, they're not just judged and condemned. Some of them are rewarded. Those that we do in faith, they are rewarded. Now, keep that in mind as we walk through this, because here Jesus focuses on words. And he talks in these scriptures about the power of your words. Now, James says, if anyone is perfect with their words, they'd be perfect. Well, I'm not perfect, and you're not perfect, so we struggle with our words sometimes. Let's, let's just admit that we're all in the same boat with that as we begin here. And Jesus teaches us about our words and the importance of them. He wants to raise our words to a new level. He taught very clearly in this passage, he teaches this truth. Your words show who you are. Don't fool yourself about this. Your words show who you are. Words flow out of what fills the heart. Now, I got to tell you, I feel uncomfortably challenged by what Jesus taught about this connection between our mouth and our heart. I'm a real believer in this idea of the accidental slip of the tongue. I didn't, oh, I didn't really mean to say that. The truth is, when I say something, it gets an unexpected, unpleasant reaction. I would much rather say I didn't really mean it than face the relational consequences Now, if you think that means I'm a coward at times, you're absolutely right. But we all struggle with that, don't we? And the truth of the matter is, Jesus says, out of the overflow of the heart, the mouth speaks. That hurts. Jesus speaks of this direct link between the mouth and the heart. Just like your foot pushes the accelerator of a car and the speed increases, direct connections, or or, or your finger pokes the up button on the elevator and the doors swish open, direct connection. Jesus is saying here, your heart is feeling bitter. And so your words become sarcastic, direct connection. I'd like to think that I could avoid that connection, that somehow I could cut off this overflow before it actually spills out. Our solution is often, if I could just build a bigger dam, nothing will overflow. 
So we dam up our emotions, our fears, our hearts. Uh, eventually, of course, the dam bursts. And what in the beginning could have been a refreshing stream of honesty, it becomes this destructive flood of pent-up words. So Jesus says, these words that come out of my mouth, they reveal my heart. But there's a clincher in this in what Jesus taught. This connection between the mouth and the heart, it's actually a two-way connection. My heart affects the words that come out of my mouth, but Jesus says the words that come out of my mouth, they also affect my heart. Over in Mark 7.15, he says, your souls aren't harmed by what you eat, but by what you think and say. It's a reciprocal connection. And sometimes it causes us to get caught up in this vicious circle of words. The anger in our heart spills out in biting words, and those words magnify the anger inside, and that wounds our soul. And the wounded soul reacts by striking out with more angry words. It's this vicious circle. And when I think of a vicious circle, I'm reminded of that story of an older man who was running at the track of a high school. Football practice was going on in the middle of the field, and the high school boys were running wind sprints. And the older guy thought to himself, you know, as long as those boys are sprinting, I can keep jogging. So he went around the track again and then again, and the boys kept sprinting again and again. He kept going around again and again. Finally, he needed to go home, and he stopped. And the boys also stopped, and they headed for the locker room. As one of the boys passed him, the older man on the way to the locker room, he said, Sir, I'm so glad you finally stopped jogging. The coach told us, as long as that old guy can jog, you guys can keep sprinting. That's a vicious circle. And we get caught up with it in our words, at work, at home, with friends. Now, the question is, how do you break that circle? How do you break that pattern? The answer is not in trying to break the inevitable connection between what's in your heart and what you say. When you look at what Jesus teaches, you realize this is a battle you've got to fight on two fronts. First, since words are an overflow of the heart, you've got to start by taking your heart more seriously. Instead of pretending that your words mean nothing, what you just said, ask yourself, why did I say that? Take your heart seriously. Where did that come from? What is that revealing to me about me so that I can deal with it? So you take your heart more seriously. And then second, since your souls are harmed by what you think and say, you start taking your words more seriously. You realize that words designed to hurt others, they actually hurt you the most deeply of all. Even though they may hurt them very deeply, they hurt you the most deeply of all. Now, the truth is, there is no arena of life that's immune from the dangers of this vicious cycle of words. It's not like some relationships are personal and others are, I can say anything I want. I sometimes hear people excuse away their ugly words in arenas such as theology or business or the practice of politics. The assumption is that those on different sides of an issue can say whatever they want to gain an advantage without fear of it igniting this battle that ends up wounding everyone. And that's just a lie. I got to tell you, that's just a lie that we tell ourselves. Theologians who speak in words of anger, who write in words of anger, they stir up trouble in hearts. They hurt their hearts and the hearts of those they hope to teach. Politicians who speak viciously in a national debate, they deepen anger in their hearts and in the hearts of the nation. Those who are in a business who use ugly words to try to gain a competitive advantage, they're hurting themselves and they're hurting their business. That's what Jesus taught. So let's get practical about this because we all struggle with this one. We all struggle with our words. So how do you boil these truths down to actions that we can take in our everyday lives? 
Have you ever tried to like refocus your emotions in the middle of an argument, stop saying those kinds of things? Have you ever tried to like intentionally calm yourself in the middle of a verbal battle? I hope you have, because if you have, you're not going to take what we're saying here lightly. You know how hard it is that there's no instant formula for success. It's not like flipping a light switch on and off. Your emotions are involved. Patterns of how you've communicated in the past are involved. Past hurts, past frustrations are involved. Even whether you're hungry with low blood sugar is involved. Have you ever noticed that some of your deepest, greatest arguments in a family, they happen right before a meal? Because this is so tough, we got to have some practical strategies. So here's just a few strategies that can help in breaking this cycle before this point that words pour out of your mouth. One strategy is very simple. Many people have used it as you take five or ten. You just take ten minutes, let your anger cool down, let God speak to your heart. Wait till your heart is ready before you let the words flow out of your mouth. A second strategy is to pray for the other person. Not pray against the other person, pray for the other person. Third strategy is wait until after you've eaten to have that difficult conversation. A fourth strategy is to use what are called owning statements instead of blaming statements. Instead of blaming the other persons for your feeling, you made me whatever, you own them yourself. I am feeling, and you say how you're feeling. Another strategy is to watch the tone and the volume of your words. You can say the right words, but if you say them with a sarcastic tone and a very loud, loud voice, it doesn't really matter what you're saying. All they hear is the sarcasm, the tone. Another strategy is you focus on the solution, not the problem. How can we solve this together rather than pointing fingers? You're the problem, they're the problem. Another strategy, and this may be the toughest one of all, is learn to accept what can't be changed. If it can't be changed, and I'm arguing with the person about something that can't be changed, of course, we're going to get worse and worse in our argument. Now, I need, we all need some motivation in this, and Jesus gives us some. He reminds us of one more thing about our words in this passage. They're not just about you and me. They really are about eternity. He says, you will give, everyone will give an account for our words. You probably noticed that as I read through the passage. It's a very scary thought to most of us. Every careless word you give an account for. Now, remember, for the unbeliever, that means an account that involves the fact that they've rejected God. They haven't accepted the forgiveness they needed for that sin. For the believer, it's an account that recognizes, I needed that forgiveness, but don't forget. It's an account that also recognizes that every time I've said a Christ-like word, I've done a Christ-like thing, that there's reward in it. Every time I act in a Christ-like way, that has eternal impact. Every time you think in a Christ-like way, that has eternal impact. And every time you speak in a Christ-like way, that has eternal impact. There will come a day when Jesus looks us in the eye and says, well done, good and faithful servant. And that can be, will be, should be for some of the words that you have spoken. So don't just think on the negative side of this. It's easy to get stuck there. Think also on the reward side, what God wants to do through your words how he wants to change your life, the life of those around you, through your words. Now, without his strength, (laughs) we're, we're doomed on this one. But with his strength, with his strength, he can begin to change our hearts. And that begins to change our words. And so, Jesus, right now, we ask for your strength. And that is our prayer. Jesus, will you change our hearts so that our words might change? We want to speak words that build up, not tear down. We want to speak words that Lift people towards the light, not put them in the darkness. We want to speak words that who we are because of you, Jesus, the grace you've shown us, the love you've shown us, 
not that reflect the anger of something that's happened or the frustration that something happened in our past or even in our day-to-day. We need your strength for this. So I pray that lovingly, kindly, day by day, moment by moment, God, you would transform the words in our lives to be more encouraging, more loving, more Christ-like. Would you do this in us? We pray with faith that you would because you've said you want to. You've said you're working in this way. So we ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. Tomorrow, join us. We're going to talk together about the dangers of spiritual pride. 